Welcome to Let's Get Unraveled, a place where artists from all walks of life come to share their unabridged stories and speak openly and candidly about their creative journeys. We're so happy you're here. Hey everybody, I'm Co Hodges, co-founder and lead instructor at Unraveled Academy, and today I have the privilege of speaking with three dynamite educators, Beth Olson, Jordana Baker, and a returning guest, Christy Westendorp. Uh, today we are going to be talking about body diversity, what that means, where we have gone wrong as a society, and more specifically how it impacts our creative world and industry. So ladies, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So I'll have each of you go uh, around in a circle and tell us uh, where you are located in the world and what work you primarily do. Jordana, I'll start with you. For sure. So I am located in Airdrie, Alberta, and I am a full-time student right now. And when I'm not reading a textbook or attempting to write a paper, I am photographing families, uh, doing personal projects, and writing. All right, Beth, how about you? Uh, I'm in Portland, Oregon, and uh, primarily my job is a full-time photographer, and I shoot um, non-traditional weddings and body-positive boudoir. All right, Christy, hit me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm on Vancouver Island in Victoria, BC, up in Canada, Um, and my work. Uh, primarily documentary, whether that be family or couples, um, but I do a bit of boudoir as well and other things that I find interesting. Mm. Love you guys so much. All right, let's dig into this concept. I feel like this is very much needed. Um, it's not talked about enough in a real way. So can each of you explain what body diversity means to you and why this is important conversation to have? Jordana, let's start with you. I think for me, body diversity just means that bodies, all shapes, sizes, um, the packages that they come into are represented in what we see. And that as... Yeah, that people can look and see their bodies presented in a positive way. That's what it means to me. And why is this an important conversation to have right now? I think because there are a lot of people being excluded, and that exclusion translates as being less valued. Absolutely. Beth, how about you? What does body diversity mean to you, and why is this an important conversation to have? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think um, body diversity really centers on the idea of seeing all different bodies, different sizes, different shapes, different colors, different abilities. Um, It's important because being able to see yourself, especially in the respect of media, um, being able to see yourself really helps you... um, like connect with in the world. And um, if you don't see that representation, I think that it can be really detrimental to how you um, allow yourself to exist and thrive. Um, I'm a little bit of a, (laughs) I don't know. I I think it's just, it's really important in every aspect of people's lives, whether they're um, connected to the media or just like, you know, with their kids living a simple life. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Christy, how about you? Um, well, of course, the things that Beth and Jordana already said, I'm fully on board with. Um, I do just want to add that like, while we're using the term body diversity, um, I think it's very important to actually be explicitly fat positive, explicitly um, inclusive of disabled folks. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times I feel like these conversations can devolve into this very fluffy body positivity message where it's like, everyone should feel good about their body. And I totally agree with that, of course, but some people have already been told that they can feel good about their bodies and others haven't. And so for me, um, I always think it's really important to center these discussions on the most marginalized folks. So like if we're having discussions about fat positivity, um, I don't want to center myself because I'm a smaller fat person. I can still say go into a forever 21 and find something that fits me in their plus size section. Not everyone can. So I think that we need to also just bring that um, intersectional lens into it that not everyone has the same body struggles. Not everyone is marginalized in the same way by them. And I think this discussion is so important because it just has impacted every person in their life at some point. Um, And we've, we've only been shown one type of body for so long that I just think it's like, it's actually quite jarring when you go onto Instagram and you make an effort to actually follow these accounts that are showing body diversity that you're like, wow, I've never seen fat people without clothes on before. They're always draped in things, you know, and, and tucked, tucked in the background or, you know, tried to make thinner, look thinner than they are. And so if you actually like engage with this in a radical way where we're like, let's actually confront these biases that we've been taught and seen, I think that it sets us all free if we start with the people who are, you know, the most impacted by this. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I would love to dig further into like the social constructs that brought us to where <laughs> we're at today um, and where you guys truly believe I mean, it it started, you know, for us, you know, I'm in my mid thirties. So the eighties and nineties were uh, hugely impacted by Photoshop and the magazines and everything that I saw told me that I was all wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like that's women across the board, but now we're in a different space where some of that's coming to the surface and we're trying to teach our children different things, but it's still such a prevalent issue. So where do you think we really went wrong here as a society? Uh, Jordana, I'll start with you. Um, I think it's interesting. One of the classes that I'm doing right now is um, a feminine uh, feminist theory class. And it talks about the prevalence of mirrors becoming something that we suddenly were aware of what we looked like, whereas before we didn't have mirrors and how like the idea of beauty before that was based on like morality and it started changing to be more by what we like visually looked like. And then I think as, um, I mean, colonization as kind of different ideas came in, um, it just got perpetuated to this idea where there's one ideal and we should all be working towards that. And if you're not, then the words like 
lazy or whatever are ascribed to you because this is an, an ideal we should all be able to achieve. And I thought that was really interesting that, yeah, this is a fairly new idea that our beauty is something that we owe other people and should work hard at and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Damn. All right, Beth, what do you think? Where did we go wrong? Oh, yeah, this is where I put on my tinfoil hat a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fairly convinced um, that it really comes into uh, everyday life if you follow it back to kind of the beginning of, um, uh, I'm going to say, like, marketing, uh, where you have people whose job it is to kind of poke and prod at the insecurities of people um, to get them to buy stuff. (laughs) Right. And um, so of course, like the idea, like this is where like my, my thoughts on capitalism and all that stuff, (laughs) but um, keeping it a little more like top level. I think that even like before photography and things like that, whatever they decided um, people should look like or whatever the standard should be. That's what they put out there. That's the imagery and the messaging that people were consuming. And um, so I think that for so long, up until very recently, that has been the way that marketers have um, functioned was to kind of create an ideal that is the most difficult to obtain so that the greatest number of people had to... Um, strive for this thing that they would never be able to achieve. And I think the marketers for the most part knew that that's why it was so effective. Um, And so it's really cool now to begin to see the tides turn where this idea of authenticity, whether or not it's truly authentic is another subject, but um, seeing uh, companies start to utilize this idea that if we use models that are, more inclusive, if more people can see themselves in our messaging, then um, they're able to make a connection with people and people will want to use their products because they see other people like themselves using it. Um, But yeah, I think that previous to that, uh, a a major player in that has been um, marketers. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Even like watching like the old school commercials from like the fifties oh, yeah. and just how blatantly obvious and totally fucked up it is. Yeah. Like if, if you ever watched one that's like a, like a face cream commercial from back then or something. So early. Yeah. Well, and I talk about, I've, I've mentioned that before where I'm like, it's interesting because if you think about like if um, marketers had decided that like zits, that they were going to sell zit cream by creating a concept of like pimple parties. Right. And they were just going to be like, yeah, everybody gets pimples. So like, it'd be really cool if you guys got together and like bought our product and then like had a day where you just like did like face masks and took care of your skin and it's cool. They would still be selling stuff. But for some reason, they decided to go with this like, that's super embarrassing. You should never leave the house if you have a sick. <laughs> I'm like, super fucked up and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I hear you. Oh my gosh. No, it's so, there's so much truth in there. It's crazy. Christy, what do you think? Where did we go wrong? Yeah, I think um, I think that 
what Beth said really resonates with me that I think that um, marketing has played on our shame for so long um, and that we're supposed to just always be stuck in this feeling of being wrong and needing to change and needing to be better. And the only solution to that is to give someone your money. So there's, I always tell people like, you are up against a billion dollar industry in trying to radically accept your body. There is a lot at stake, a lot of money at stake in keeping us thinking that we need to buy the diet shake, join the gym, do these 18 things, and then our bodies will be acceptable. And we are then allowed to wear a bathing suit, (laughs) you know, and it's like, I think that it's been fed to us. And it's all that we've seen. And I also think that whenever we're talking about these kinds of discussions that involve privilege and oppression, that there is this element that there are a lot of people who benefit from thin privilege. And so they like to maintain that. And so if you are a naturally fit, thin person, you've been told your life that, you know, that makes you better and you're more entitled to things. And so I think it started, you know, from the top down with these like big picture things, but we all have these now internalized fat phobia um, sentiments in our head that we've been taught over time, including fat people, including thin people about what a good body looks like. Um, And I also think that what Jordana said that she just briefly touched on, but I think it was a really salient point um, that colonialism has massively impacted that. And that when we have these discussions, this is not a global thing. It's not like everywhere in the world it's bad to be fat. Um, this is definitely a, a colonialist, like white beauty ideals that have been put onto everyone. Um, and so when we're talking about these things, it's not just a simple matter of like, look in the mirror and tell yourself something nice because we are up against like these huge systems, these huge institutionalized ideals. And so I think that it's, it's much bigger, but we can, um, I don't think that you can like the master can just use his own tools to dismantle his house type saying, I think applies here too, that what Beth was talking about, how they're shifting the marketing, it kind of rubs me the wrong way too. Like all of the dove ads, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, they're just selling us something else. And I just don't want to be sold anything. (laughs) So I think it's, it's, um, it's all of these issues combined. And then the fact that we have bought into it ourselves, and we have waged war on our own bodies. And so I think um, it's gonna take a lot of us working together um, to, to dismantle that. I don't know if anything I just said made sense. But. It made so much sense. Truly. It made so much sense. And I actually think I'm going to quote you later. Like we are up against a billion dollar industry to radically accept our own bodies. Like that's huge. Yeah. And it, it's so ingrained, like from such an early age, so much bullshit. How do we shed that? How do we, how do we teach our children? Cause I feel like you guys see it, you know, young children in school, the dialogue that's already starting, whether it's coming from home or older siblings or wherever it's coming from, you know, how are we doing our next generation a disservice by not stopping that or switching it? Or what do we even do? Sometimes I don't even know what to say to my kids. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I'm saying the right thing. I just had an experience very recently that that kind of reminds me of where I, we were meeting up with a, one of my Um, kids friends and so I was visiting with his mom and um, she was saying how much my daughter had grown 
And I was sort of saying, yeah, she's like, she's so dense. She eats so much. She's like built like a brick house. And I mean all these things in positive ways. And she was like, well, I don't think she's overweight at all. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like that had <laughs> crossed my mind. I was like, I don't even believe in overweight. So I definitely don't think she's, I think she's the perfect weight. I was just right. like saying how, how dense she is, but that's exactly it. Like there's almost this implication that now I have to, you know, defend my own child. It's like, she doesn't have any of that. She walks around naked and she's like, look how nice my big belly is. Like she'll tell me to touch it and, and, um, and praise it because (laughs) she just hasn't really been exposed to any of this, these ideas yet that that would be a bad thing. I only, I, I really make an effort to only speak kindly about my body in front of my kids for that reason. Yeah. Right. I think that that is probably the most effective solution for like helping kids is less about like trying to teach them all the things you wish that you would have learned and just change your behavior and the way you talk about your own body and the way that you interact in the world in your body and kids pick up on that stuff probably more so than anything you could ever say to them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they mirror that and even having that concept in the background, knowing that like, you know, mom goes out into the world in her swimsuit and the way that she talks about herself is kind and the way that she loves her body, even though I can see with my eyes that it's not the same bodies that I see in the media, like that she still sees worth in who she is. Mm-hmm. It's people who have bodies as worthy kids pick up on that and they store it away. And hopefully it, you know, informs how they treat their own bodies and other people's bodies. Mm-hmm. Right. I actually right. grew up in a very body neutral, body positive home where mm-hmm. um, I don't remember my mom ever talking about dieting. I don't remember. I have two older sisters who are quite older than me and they were athletic, but, and I don't know if it's like, we kind of grew up on a rural farm. So it was like, you need to eat to do the work and right. all of those things. But I can just remember being like, I developed very early and, you know, I was that girl in grade five who got her period and had double D's by grade seven but I never felt bad about my body because my sisters, my mom, you know, my Oma, if she thought you were dieting, if she heard anything remotely, she would probably hand you a cookie and tell you you were beautiful the way you were and to eat the cookie. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think having grown up in that environment and just even now when I hear people talking about dieting, especially around kids or like as a family, I just I'm like, man, that's really fucked up. Like, mm-hmm, yeah. why are you perpetuating that idea that you hate your body? And I just mm-hmm. appreciate that for me, there was such a foundation. So even though media and other people's opinions and how I was am treated and can affect me and has caused, like, has caused me to have to work through my own internalized fat phobia. I still go back to that base of like, you know, when I was 10 and my Oma would take me swimming, I never thought, oh, she's ugly. I was thinking, this is awesome that my Oma takes me swimming and yeah. in the deep end with me and jumps in the pool. And that, 
you know, my sisters never commented on my body, but they would take me shopping and all of those things. So I think it's true. The more you create a body neutral, body positive home, it sets your kids up. So no matter what they face, they they have something to go back to when they think, Mm -hmm. I really love my mom. And I never thought for one second she should be thinner. So why would I think that of myself now? Right. Right. Oh, man. That's so good. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I, I definitely agree. I think, um, Christy, like with your daughter, not really have been exposed to the nonsense that's out there. And my kids are just now starting to come home with a dialogue, right, from school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, my daughter asked me the other day if she could shave her legs we got hairy ass legs in this family right <laughs> and mom shaves her legs and she sees that and now mm-hmm. she's like can I shave my legs I was like no your legs are beautiful and she's like but you do it you know so it's interesting because I was like yeah I do I have nothing to say to that you know I, and it's interesting how I'm I'm learning as they're so young I'm learning what what the fuck to say to them how old you know, are they they're six and seven. Oh wow yeah yeah so she'll be in second grade and the stuff is coming hard and fast. The, the stuff she comes home with, with these other girls, it's crazy. I think body hair is, is like totally relevant to this discussion as well, though. Like yeah. it is, it is something we don't see even in razor ads, people are shaving hairless legs. Like you don't <laughs> ever see totally. that. <laughs> yeah. they're, like, they're in the shower. Their legs are clearly have like just been waxed yesterday. And they're shaving right. them. And it's right. like, we can't, we would be too upset to even see some leg hair on a, a female presenting person in an ad for a razor. You know, razor. like that's one of the biggest things that, I just think they like it's more than just are you fat or are you thin? Those are definitely relevant, but like mm-hmm. we just don't have permission to have bodies the way that they naturally exist. We're supposed to sculpt them, we're supposed to manicure them. Women are supposed to be hairless and not sweat and not have any stretch marks and like it, it's this impossible bar that like, you know, there is a, a fraction of a fraction of people who fit within that and can maintain that, but even then like you know, people are taking risks to their health to try to change the way that they look. Um, And, and it is something that I think we um, don't realize the messages that we're sending our kids from a very young age about those things. Like my kids have always seen me naked and it's um, just normalized and natural. And they know that I have body hair and those are just things that they've grown up with. And so it's normalized to them. But a lot of kids you know, like yours have not seen adults with, you know, adult women anyway, with armpit hair or with leg hair. So they have no blueprint for those things. And I think that that's part of this discussion is like, when we're only showing people one type of person, then they think that's the only way to be. And even myself, like I, um, when I have modeled, have often removed my armpit hair and leg hair, even though I normally have it. Um, and that's, so that's something that even for me, then I'm like, well, I'm going to be in pictures and other people are going to think it's gross. So I have to do my armpits, <laughs> you know, so it's like all of these, all of these, this continual unpacking of what are these standards and where did they come from and why am I still subscribing to them? Even though on an intellectual level, maybe I don't agree with them. Right. I know it was probably 34 or 35 before I met people who were, just living in their bodies and the idea that I could just 
um, I don't know, like that I could just say, I don't give a fuck what people think or that I could mm-hmm. love my body the way that it is. And I didn't have to like shave and dye my hair and mm-hmm. um, constantly be on some, you know, form of weight loss plan, like that I could just decide that I was going to love my body the way it was like was a radical idea at 34, 35. Like it had never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. it's interesting to think um, like how Christy, like your kids growing up already having that like idea um, modeled to them as they grow up. So interesting to me to see, to imagine like how that would shift or how that will shift the, you know, path of their lives and the way mm-hmm. they interact in the world, like already having that knowledge from a young Yeah. Age. And it's, it's like ongoing conversations, right? Because you don't just have that and then go out into the world and the world accepts you as you are. That's not the reality. Like Patty <laughs> is six. She shaved her head. Every person wants to know why she shaved her head. And I'm like, well, why do you have a bob? Like right. nobody, you know, if, if my son shaved his head, people no. won't bat an eye, but because they they either think she's a boy or if she's wearing a dress, they ask why she shaved her head. And so she and I have had to have conversations about that mm. where she's like, people think I'm a, I am a boy since I shaved my head unless I'm wearing a dress. And I w- said, and she was wearing a dress. And I said, well, you know, you don't have to wear a dress so people know you're a girl. That's totally up to you. And she looked at me like I was speaking just gibberish. And she said, right. it was the only thing that was clean. <laughs> like <it wasn't, laughs> That had not entered her head at all. But there would be any, she would change how she dressed because of how people perceived her. She still loves to wear button up. She wears bow ties, but very much still identifies as a girl. And so it's like, even if you have those base levels, then you're going out in the world, other people are still going to put their own insecurities or their own, um, you know, gender norms or their own mm-hmm. fat phobia or whatever and project it onto you because honestly I think they see people who are just being themselves and not giving a fuck and that there's like this well that must be wrong because I can't imagine feeling that way so then there's this like they want to bring you down to their level instead of trying to come up to yours and so I think well, it's, I, I, it's, it's this work absolutely. that we need to do. And I, I really like the wording that Jordana used about body neutrality too, because that's another thing that I tell people. I'm like, you don't have to go from hating your body to loving your body. That's a huge leap. But if you could just stop fighting with it, that would be a good start. Yep. Take note of that. I think that is incredibly, incredibly important. Um, yeah. I don't know. Just that idea that, I mean, that's a massive leap from where most people are existing right now to this like fad now where everybody's talking about body love and loving mm-hmm. your body. And that is a massive leap from where you're at to loving your body. And it almost puts like a dress or expectations that feel insurmountable on people just as much as expecting people to change their bodies to be accepted. Mm-hmm. So the idea of body neutrality, yeah, is really, really, really important. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I think it's interesting, especially as we, like, we have a dialogue that we're opening up with children, you know, the, let's just call it the 1%, the one percenters that have achieved whatever lofty goal there is in this world to look a certain way. Doesn't mean they're happy. 
Like there's so many eating disorders associated with being that way because they Mm -hmm. identify as being pretty for society. And I love what you guys said about like owing somebody something in that regard. Like, okay, these people have quantified this as beauty. And so this is what I'm good at. And I'm going to continue this at any risk. Um, that I have to do this. This is my identity. Now I'm pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- they're not happy. And the, well, not, I mean, I don't know, maybe they, <laughs> maybe some of them are, but I've had many conversations with people who are like in misery because it's, it's a constant struggle to maintain this facade. And like, when do you actually enjoy it? When are you really like, Oh, okay. I'm going to enjoy my body now and mm-hmm. I'm going to feel beautiful. When does that happen? I don't think it happens very often. And an interesting little segue there. All right. (laughs) Okay. What shifts, specifically for our photography community, what shifts need to happen? And how can we all be a part of that? How can we all help? Jordana, I'm going to start with you. I think the first thing that anyone needs to do is to do the work and um, really look at how you've internalized that phobia and yeah, to really look at it because I think it's easy to say, Oh yeah, I'm body diverse. Um, but you're most likely still going to be leaving someone else. You're still going to be using language that's harmful and perpetuating discrimination and stereotypes. So mm-hmm. I think if you're not doing the work, if you're not being critical about your reaction to um, photographs, um, what photographs you include or don't include in your own portfolio, um, it's going to be pretty hard to make any kind of lasting change because you'll revert back within the safety of that phobia, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Oh, that's so fascinating. The safety of the phobia. Do you think that that comes intrinsically like the work needs to start for yourself first and then lessen the projections onto your body of work? Yeah, I I think so. Because an example would be like the acceptance of um, fat female presenting women if they're hyper feminine. Right. So there are people who go body diversity and they go to the pinup more style, which is a great style for people who love it. But it also then is excluding people who are more andro- androgynous. or yes. And so if we're not including, right, that's just, it seems like you're being body positive, but really you're acting and perpetuating discrimination by not being aware and not doing the internal work on that. Absolutely. Beth, what do you think? How can we manifest a shift in our photography world? Yeah, I mean, 100% what Jordana said. Um, I think it's also important, like, once you start to explore that for yourself, um, I think just media in general, like, going in and filling your feed with people who are also doing the work, who are sharing their experiences, who are posting photos of their bodies and other bodies that are marginalized, that you're not used to seeing, it's immensely powerful to uh, being able to shift the way that you see beauty standards and, I mean, really everything. Um, But I think that uh, part of that, like, once you've, like, moved into this idea of, like, 
like understanding um, breaking out of like beauty standards and starting to be more inclusive about what is beautiful that you are showing those pictures that you're showing those people in your work. Um, and you don't have to like be in the perfect place mentally and emotionally to be like, I love my body. And now I can start, you know, showing diversity in mm-hmm. my portfolio. I think that if it's something that's important to you, beginning to be very specific about um, the bodies that you're showing in your work. I feel like once I stepped away, um, like, for example, um, wedding photography, um, once I, like, took down all of the photos of, like, the cute couples kissing and was very specific about the photos that spoke to me and the photos that would speak to the people who were that I wanted to attract. I was putting up photos of everybody and people respond to that because they see themselves in it. Um, And so from a photographer's perspective, if you truly are looking to um, bring in people, you know, a more diverse group, you have to show that. Like, I don't, I don't want to be shot by somebody when I look at their portfolio, I don't see a single person who looks like me. Like I, maybe I'm just over the idea of like, there's a bunch of pretty people on your website. Hopefully you can make me look that way too. I want, I want to see people who look like me and know that you, my experience with you is not going to be, um, difficult that you're not going to try to like, I think it was Christy said like, you know, like you tuck somebody behind, you know, somebody who's bigger behind the other person or you like, mm-hmm. like, I don't, I, I just want to be me and my body. And I want to know that you are going to be able to photograph me the way that the world sees me. Hell yeah. Okay. I have to break into that. Cause I feel like this is a huge topic. This could be its own podcast. <laughs> Let's talk about posing and how many fucking times do you see every day on Facebook and questions how to pose yeah. different body types? Mm-hmm. And the answers are pretty similar across the board. It's not like different body people. types. It's only plus size women. No Correct. one is like, I have this thin woman. How do I pose? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. 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 Nobody's Let's talk about that. Let's break that wide open. Behind the bride. Like nobody's trying to do that. No. <laughs> it's all, it's all thin photographers who are like, this person's a size 16. How can I possibly take their photo? And I'm like, I'm going to slap you. I'm not a violent person, but I'm feeling a little bit like I want to slap you. (laughs) I think this is, let's talk about this more. I really want to break into this. I think this is huge. Um, And I think that like, don't censor anything. Let's talk for real because I, (laughs) This is amazing. Don't censor anything when I was threatening violence. No, you have threatening violence. Come into it. I'll hold someone for you. It's fine. But like, no, and I think this is this is too. Um, and and I've you know been a part of this community for let's say seven years now, um, and I can't even tell you how many times I've seen this. Oh, these cute couple, they're so easy to photograph. Mm-hmm. They're so easy to photograph. Like it was like my camera, I just shot and it was beautiful. It was easy. It was wonderful. And then the, and the more times you see that and you've got these new photographers who are up and coming who are like, well, that's what I need to do. That will be, that's the solid gold. And then they get an amazing session like that and they're like so stoked and they share it everywhere. And then down it trickles, the trickle effect of this is mm-hmm. huge, right? So how do we change that? 
And let's talk about posing and what you guys think. Go ahead, uh, Jordana, let's start with you, babe. I know for myself, if I'm going to hire a photographer and I look on their website and they have words like flattering or any like anything where I can tell they're trying to get me to dress in a way that minimizes the size of my body, I'm out. Yeah. And so when I have clients, I use words like wear what you're comfortable in, wear clothes that you want to wear. And it's those little things that maybe, I mean, flattering is a fairly conventionally normal word that people think means something different than it does. No, fuck flattering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I think same with posing, right? Like, oh, you know, I had one girl, she was like, oh, I, I have a double chin. So I'd really appreciate you to like not take photos of my double chin and so the whole time she had this really weird neck thing, you know, the like turtle. And I was like, yeah. they look terrible because the whole time, she, all she could think about is her chin. And she couldn't think about being with the person she was with or connecting or genuine smiles. And it just, to me, that's devastating, right? And so if as photographers, we talk about posing in a way of not like, this is what the photo will look like when you get their body to move in this way versus how to make someone look smaller than they are. And it, it can be incredibly toxic and I don't think people realize they're doing it half the time. Mm-hmm. Really? Like I, right. I don't think that they even understand because they think, well, isn't it better to be smaller? And so mm-hmm. if I can help my clients look smaller, they're going to, like me more. Um, And also a lot of clients do get upset or not like photos when they look fat in their photos. And that's because they also have to do the work of that too. And so there's part of it where it's like, we're photographers, but we're also kind of therapists where we're telling people (laughs) like, it's okay to have the body you have. Right. Well, and I think that that's a huge point, consumer demand to change. You know, like mm-hmm. I can't even tell you how many times I'd send a gallery and they'd be like, oh, can you Photoshop my arm spinner or something like that? And I'm like, that's you're breaking my heart. Like, I think your your skin is perfect. Like you have this gorgeous body. Like, I don't know, you know, but can can you even really change it at that level? So then you're like, yeah, I'll Photoshop your arms, whatever. I don't want to make you happy right now because you paid me. Yeah, so we have this twofold issue here. Yeah. I I have to interject too about the double chin thing, um, just because it's a relevant um, about someone who's here, which is Beth. That I when I was visiting her in Portland, she's like using her phone, and I'm like, oh, are you your own screensaver? <laughs> she, she has this photo of herself. It's like the angle that you take when you accidentally turn on the selfie camera, yes. and you and you see yourself from the chin up yeah, yeah, and yeah. everyone deletes that picture right away. But she had gone and done a body, uh, what's it called Beth? A uh, body image boot camp. Body image boot camp with Terry. And um, she had them all do that on the first day. And Beth said, I just got used to looking at it. And so I just left it because that was just me. And it just reminds me that I, I'm okay from all angles. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if I can just assign that to all of my clients. Like, can you just take a picture of yourself from the worst angle and look at it every day until we do your photo shoot? <laughs> every day. I'm going to tell you right now, it works. 
And every time I get a photo that I'm like, dear God, like make that go away. I'm like, oh, I need to sit with that for a minute. And so I will put it someplace where I run into it all the time. And and it is like magic. Like the more you see these different angles of yourself that are not you posing in the mirror before you, ha- you know, like the look that you give yourself with like the stretched neck, like it's mm-hmm. right. that is not a pose that you ever do in real life. Nobody has ever <laughs> seen you look that way except for yourself. Right. right, right, right. Um, so I try to take those photos and just like sit with them and be like, okay, this is also me. And the more I look at those photos, the less they bother me because you, I don't know, like there's like a kindness that builds once you're able to take away that like um, negativity about it and just be like, okay, that's my chin. And sometimes it looks like that. And I still have, you know, I, I have the audacity to go around in my life with this double chin looking like this and still have friends and people who love me. Like <laughs> it's fine. It's yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I do think that's that hilarious. helpful with clients to give them, like I call it the tool of, of pausing. Right. So I take photos, mm-hmm. photos of myself that I will look at and be like, mm, nope. And then I'll exit out of it. And then I'll be like, no, like seeing this bath was saying, no, I better like actually look at the photo. And right. I do that for my clients. So I had a maternity shoot and I was taking a picture of the baby. And of course her like arm was in it and it looked really big because the baby was snuggled in and she was like, Oh, my arm. <laughs> I was like, uh, your baby. Like, or like your collarbone or something. So then just even just teaching them to be like, yeah, your arm does look like that. But also what else do you see? And that's that part of like body neutrality that you can see something you don't like, but then that doesn't devalue what is in the photo. Yeah. And isn't it sad that you, that women look at photos of themselves cradling their baby that they birth with their body and saying, my arm looks fat. Like, why not? Look how nurturing and loving my arms are. Look at all the amazing things they do. You know, like our kids love our fat arms. <laughs> like yeah. that's a that's a that's a safety base for them. You know, and so the fact that we look at them and we're judging it on aesthetics is is kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm getting emotional over here. Okay, <laughs> here's here's a hard hitting question. Ready for this one? How can this positive shift that we're going to create in the photography community, right? You guys are a huge part of it. It's starting. It's beautiful. Tons of work to do, though. But how can this positive shift ultimately affect the world as a whole, starting with the photographers? Uh, Jordana, start with you, honey. Um, I have a, like, my daughter Rachel's 11, and I often think, what kind of world do I want to create so that when she's, as she grows older, what does she get to see? And when I, and then I think of her and I think of a lot of people that I really, really love. And if we can create spaces where bodies are celebrated, regardless of how they fit into the norms of our culture, I think we are going to create powerful people who are not going to be held back by their own insecurities that they've been taught to have. 
And that makes me excited. It makes me excited to think about how I was positively affected by photographers and am who dare to push the boundaries and to call out and say, why do you think that's beautiful and this isn't? And yeah, I think it's really exciting as more of us take up space, both with our actual physical body and with the work that we do, that hopefully people just can't ignore it anymore. I love so much what you said about, you know, why is this beautiful and this isn't? Like, who gets to decide that? And I think if we, if that's our only question we ask and like how far back this goes, like who got to say, who is the king of this or queen of this that said, well, this is beautiful and nothing else is. So this is what we need to do. You know, if we break that down just for ourselves mentally and say, well, you know, there isn't, that doesn't exist. And what's truly beautiful to us? What do we think is beautiful? And I love you said, like, the people we love. Like, I have so many amazing people that surround me every day of all different shapes and sizes and ethnicities. And they're so beautiful to me because they're just amazing human beings. And I think that that has had such a positive effect on me in this last year and how I mother, hopefully, better um, and talk about different bodies, mm-hmm. you know? But I love, love, oh, I love what you said. And I think it's all right. really important. Oh, sorry, go ahead, honey. I think it's also important to, like, be critical about our definition of beauty and mm-hmm. and to allow people to um to come up with and not come up with their own or to come up with their own definition but also to be careful that we're not imposing our standards on other people and that I think is kind of a part of that conversation too that if you find a specific aesthetic pleasing that doesn't mean you can't find pleasing but it just means probably be critical of why and do that work right absolutely all right beth how about you what was the question (laughs) (laughs) i know i I, know what she was saying tend to ramble Um, how can this positive shift that we're creating in the photography community ultimately affect the world as a whole oh sure um i mean I guess if you think for a minute and really examine how much time you spend thinking about changing your body. (laughs) And at first you're like, I mean, I don't really think about that, but then you start tearing it apart and you're like, okay, like how much time do I think about like what kind of food I should be eating or, you know, all of the things on my to-do list that include stuff I don't want to do, like going to the gym so that I can, it, not just for like um, the exercise, but with that like goal of making your body smaller because you're supposed to like there's such an immense amount of time and energy put into change like thinking about and trying to change our bodies that if if you could just eliminate that aspect of it, the incredible amount of energy and time that you would have to spend on other things that are more important. Um, Being able to like go out and change the world because you are feeding yourself enough because you have the energy to do that because um, you're not sidetracked with um, what people are going to be thinking of you. Like there's so many aspects to that, um, that changing the world sounds like this big ridiculous like idea, but it's really not. 
Um, I think that people like maybe you don't change the entire world, but changing your world, changing the way you treat your own body and then how your kids pick up on that and then how they take that into the world as they grow. Like it's these little changes that suddenly begin to snowball and make a big difference. Absolutely. Beth, let me ask you this kind of a little segue here. I want to talk about compliments because I feel like socially we have like five to 10 compliments that we give Mm -hmm. random people, even like close friends, acquaintances, whatever. And half of them have to do, or more than that, have to do with how we look, right? So I was talking to a friend the other day and she was like, I lost five pounds. And everyone's like, oh my God, you look so amazing. You lost weight. And she's like, yeah, but I also just wrote a fucking book. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Right. And I think it's interesting, but it's like a social norm. Like we talk about each other, how we, how we look. I even catch myself doing it with my children. Like you look so beautiful today, you know? And, and like, and, but why am I saying that? You know? So I think it's interesting. What do you think about like our, our, our verbiage, our dialogue with other people as far as that goes? Um, I mean, yeah, that's really difficult. I, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp, a beginner's grasp on things, but, um, I still do it all the time. (laughs) I'm like, you look beautiful today. You look amazing, especially with my niece, like with kids, especially, I think we have this tendency to, um, like praise them for being pretty or cute or handsome in this way that feels very, um, I don't know, like non-threatening or just like lighthearted, but kids must hear that all the time. Like it's pretty exclusively all they hear about themselves. Right. Um, so I don't know. That's, um, it's tricky because I'm still working on it too. Um, but I go out and I kind of research ideas about like other ways that you can compliment people. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> oh, it's, I think it's interesting because it's so – I do it all the time constantly. Like, oh, my God, your hair looks so pretty. Your skin looks so dewy, whatever. And I'm like, I genuinely mean this stuff. But it's like it's in my arsenal of compliments. Like, But it's all based on looks, right. you know? Yeah. Like even when I saw Christy, I was like, oh, my God, you're so cute and beautiful. I love you. Like that's – that's and really I just want to hear that I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, <laughs> of course you are. You're very funny. Thank but you, like, thank it's you. interesting how that's the go-to. And like, I do it all the time, all day. And like, that's just part of our culture. And I, I don't know, you know, like, how do we, how do we shift that? Where do we even begin? Yeah. I don't Christy, think, what do you think you necessarily, like, it has to be a bad thing, but I think it, yeah. we have to be cognizant of, if it's the only thing, that yes. we, right? I would agree with that. I think I don't think it's bad for yeah. to, to hear that they're beautiful. I think it's bad for them to only hear that they're beautiful, right. or for little girls to only get compliments on their clothing, things like that. You know, that are just like, mm-hmm. oh, your dress is so cute. Let's just talk about your dress. Like that's the most interesting thing about you. you yeah, know, I, think, I agree with that. Right? Because uh, then we have kids walking around with identities based on their looks and that's miserable. It's a miserable existence. If that's what you're, you know, your every day, that's all you do is think about how do I keep this going? If that's mm-hmm. what people like about me. And we're all going to get old. Like, I feel like that's what people are missing in this whole thing is like, no one is going to be like, you're, you're 80 
years old and people are like, you're so thin. Like, no one's, <laughs> I don't know. I, I've never, never been like, wow, look how skinny that old person is. <laughs> right. all, you know, there's just so many ways that our bodies are going to change over time and, and things they can do and things they can't do and differences. And it's like, get used to that because it's not, it's not going to change. Like our bodies aren't, you know, they're, they're finite. Mm-hmm. Right. Right limited time only. <laughs> yeah. And also I think that like we, I, I was thinking about the, how are we going to change the world um, portion of it? And like, I, I again want to touch back on what I said about like it, not just being about like body positivity, like, Oh, I look in the mirror and I have a little roll or I have a little chub or this or that, like this, there are people whose health and well-being are drastically impacted by fat phobia you know, by people putting judgment on them. Like I'm, yes, I may have a hard time in a straight size store finding a pair of jeans that fit me, but I've never had someone like take a photo of me and post it on the internet to make a joke Mm -hmm. about me. And so again, just like centering people who are very marginalized in these discussions um, and remembering even that like when we talk about, well, it's not just what our bodies look like, but what they can do that in some ways we can then be, um, putting that onto disabled people who are like, well, now you're saying your legs are good, not because of how they look, but because how they can carry you around. Well, my legs can't carry me around, right. you know? Right. So we, I think we just need to like really broaden our scope and really think about how our minor body insecurities are actually not the, we're not the most impacted in this discussion, you know, and always thinking about like, how can we center those people? How can we make them heard? How can we amplify what they're saying instead of talking over them, just being like, be yourself and have a great time. And people are over here saying like, I went to the doctor because I have a health issue and he told me to lose weight and the issue has nothing to do with my weight. So, you know, just remembering that this isn't only about feel good in a dress or feel good about how, you know, you look in a photograph, but actually this has real world impact. So yeah. it's like it, it's a huge discussion, you know, it's yeah. more than we can even get into here. But I think that it's important to always bear that in mind. Well, let's get into it a little bit, actually, because I would love to for you to elaborate on where you think we can start as a creative community in that regard on the marginalized groups. And yeah, what, I, what can we do? I think, um, again, like just thinking about how can we be radical with this? Like not because you'll see that yes, plus size models are trending upwards kind of thing, but they're talking about like size 10. There are no, you know, there's no one who's a size 22 walking down the runway. Like we're still, we're still not representing people who are significantly fat we're like we'll we'll push the boundaries a little bit we'll show someone with the rolls or stretch marks but it's still within an acceptable range and I feel like there's a lot of that in body positive discussions where they're like well it's healthy up until a point and it's like a there's a lot of bad science on the health impacts of having a certain amount of fat on your body and b no one owes you health even if people aren't healthy they can choose what they want to put in their own bodies and what they want to do with their bodies. And you can't tell those things by looking at them. I know some very fit fat people. Mm -hmm. I know some fat people who eat very much better than I do, you know? And so it's just that like, are you, are you like 
showing body diversity in that you go up to a size one X or are you showing people like, are we actually going out and saying everyone is worthy of having photos of themselves or their family or their relationship, not just people who fit within this range, you know, and then, and then standing up for that, like talking about it. But I see a lot of times like photographers posting, Oh, I posted photos of this, person who's plus size and got all these negative comments kind of thing. And they're still like, sort of centering that component of it instead of like, moderating that and building it up and putting out all these positive statements saying like, I stand by these people, I stand behind them, I I am with them, you know, that's how you be an ally is like, actually, actually follow through on it, not just to be like, you know, okay. oh, I put one picture on my Instagram and I lost 10 followers. Oh no, I better not do oh, that again. Yeah. Dude, fuck those people. You know, it's so interesting. I think that now this is just how I do it. There is no right way. But, you know, when someone posts some, a nasty comment on any of my Instagram feeds, I just delete it. It's like not yeah. in my house. If it's like, about someone, if it's about someone else and negative about them, absolutely. Yep. Gone. No, like no one's coming up in here and, and talking shit. It's gone. It's my house. And I think it's interesting because I had a conversation with a student the other day about that. And she's like, well, I do going back and forth with this person for a while. I'm like, just delete it and block them. It's your house. Like You get to choose. I'm like this is, you get to decide it. And if you want to have a banter back and forth and that be on, you know, for everybody to see, then But, <laughs> if, it's, if, but if it's about someone else's body, then yeah. you're putting them at risk of reading Absolutely. that and their feelings about it. And they don't need to see that. So Absolutely. have the conversation in private or don't have it at all, in my opinion. Delete it. Hell yeah. yeah. Delete it and block. Those people have yeah. too much time on their hands. Get them out of there. Um, I want to ask you, I want to ask all of you, actually, let's talk about the word fat. What is acceptable? What is not? Like, what are, what, I feel like there's so much here because it's a negative thing, you know, but then is it? So like, tell me about the word fat. What does it mean to you? How are we saying it wrong? How are we using it wrong? What can we do to improve it? Do we use the word at all? Yes. Uh, Go ahead. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yes, we do use it. I agree with that. Um, I think... Yeah, it's a tricky one because like there was that meme going around that was like, you are not fat, you have fat, just like you are not fingernails, you have fingernails or something, it's a part of your body. And I'm like, but it's also an adjective about some people's bodies. I think it's uh, important that that be something that people are allowed to reclaim for themselves. Like you should not put that word on someone else um, unless they've used it about themselves and given you permission to use that word about them because there is still a lot of internalized fat phobia. If that's being used as an insult to you, you might not be ready to, to take power from it. Um, and especially like, Co, you're a thin person. So on top of that, it's like, you have to be a bit more careful using it too, I think, because it might be perceived differently given that it's not a com- like a community you're part of. Right. But um, I do think when we're speaking broadly, we can talk about people, I mean, you can say people of size is another term that people use, but I, I personally, and I think Jordana and Beth are with me on that, like find it a really powerful word to reclaim and just be like, yeah, I'm fat. That's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. 
I, I think I asked too because – and for like my own personal growth and benefit. Like we don't say that word in my house. Like my kids say that and I'm like, just shut it down. You know, I'm like, that hurts people, right? So it's interesting how – because I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answers. I think that can um, be dangerous too though because they're not right. taught – I mean, it's sort of like if, if a white person says, well, we, I've just told my kid we do not talk about skin color – Um, there's, they're still, and they're only getting information about it from other places. And they're only perceiving that as a negative thing. As negative. That's what I worry about. I'm like constantly worrying about fucking up my kids in general, but this was something I've been really thinking about lately. I'm like, am I doing the right thing with this? You know, I don't want them out there hurting people's feelings, but then am I perpetuating the stereotype that it's wrong? You know? So no, that's why I, I think this is such a really uncomfortable good conversation Mm -hmm. to have and I'm happy to be like (laughs) on the hot seat with like what what we're doing that is good and what is bad and what can be changed and and something Beth said earlier I'll I'll come back to which is that fill your social media feeds with things you don't understand Mm -hmm. fill your social media with your your feed should be have tons of fat people in it tons of people of different genders, tons of people of different skin colors and abilities and all of these things. And that is how we normalize it. And we listen to what those people are saying. So like, as someone who is like, just barely into plus sizes, I don't want to speak for all fat people. But I will tell you, there are amazing fat bloggers, Instagrammers that you can follow who are posting beautiful photos and beautiful captions with them. And that is how I've been learning. And that is how I've been unlearning as well. Yes. Beth, what do you think about all that? Yeah. I mean, for me, probably one of the most powerful things has been to reclaim that word. And it's always funny because now I don't even, it's the only way that I really talk about, um, fat people <laughs> is using the F word. And it's funny to be around <laughs> people fr- who are not like close friends or family. Those guys have gotten used to me using it, but it's always this like little shocked look that comes over people. They're kind of looking around like, uh, are we, oh, are we just throwing this around now? Because people, like, even though you don't realize it, or even if you don't realize it, like, the word fat is synonymous with so many negative words. And so being able to take it back and be like, it is literally just a descriptor of my body. It's a descriptor of bodies that look a certain way, but there's, for me, there's no other connotation to it. And being able to take that word back and use it just for its literal meaning and being able to cast off all of the other negative connotations that have been attached to it. It weirdly, like it freaks people out at first, but I like, as I continue to use it in context, people begin to understand the people around me begin to understand like how it's being used. And I hope that that helps them, even if they don't realize it to hear and see and understand the word fat for literally what it is as a descriptor and because I don't ever use it in a negative way that they that begins to change the way that their brain processes when it thinks of the word fat I don't know maybe not but I hope that's the case it was with my parents I think (laughs) like for sure they they gave me some weird looks when I began (laughs) to use that word and now they use it in the way that I use it and 
they're not particularly like fat positive people, but just, just by, um, helping create like a norm with using the word in a more positive way, like it's made a difference, I think. Yeah. I love that. Jordana, what do you think? For myself, I'm a small fat person. So same as Christy, I don't want to put that onto other people. And But from my experience, I find when people say like, you're not fat, you have fat, that's actually really disassociative. So it kind of creates this like, my fat isn't a part of who I am. But mm-hmm. it is. It's a part of where I can, like how I think about how I move through the world. So for me, owning the word fat is a way of me saying, yes, this is a, this is who I am. And I'm not going to subject myself to shame or hide a part of myself. And that's kind of what the word has, the power of the word has for me. Um, when I talk with other people about it or how to use the, the word, I often, even with my daughter, we've had discussions where, you know, she's like, mom, that that person is, you know, fill in the blank, you know, especially when she was younger, mm-hmm. she was that kid. And I was like, Oh, and someone really uh, wise was like, well, what's your response? And my response is always, Oh yeah, that is how that person's body is. Isn't that amazing that bodies are all so different and that we get to see someone in that way and almost reframe their questions so that they don't internalize shame around noticing that thing. And instead they hear me saying, wow, isn't that interesting? That's how clothes fit on her body. And we can see like, example, like a visible belly line. And I'm like, oh, that's how we can see her body when she wears clothes. Not like, oh, no, don't point that out. Or, you know, she maybe is trying to hide that. And if we point it out. Um, And I think there's a lot of power in almost celebrating that we get to see bodies that way. And for me, that's what the word means. But I do think you could probably depending on your relationship, you could approach someone and ask them kind of how they want to be their body be described, depending on the relationship you have with them, if you're unsure. Yeah. And I will say too, that just as an addendum to that, like, I do think we need to be mindful that not everyone who is, who is fat is, is part of this new way of thinking. There are still a lot of fat people who have a lot of internalized fat phobia and hearing a child comment on their body could be a very harmful thing to them. Right. So one thing that I'll just add to that, and I'm sure this is part of what you meant, but I just want to like be really clear about it because I've heard discussions like that where in line someone's like, that lady's fat. And the mom's like, yeah, she is. Isn't that great kind of thing? And like maybe the person in line didn't doesn't identify with that term or yeah. – is going to go put the ice cream back because that made them feel bad. So I've just told my kids from a very early age, we can tell one thing about someone from how they look and that's what they look like. And we don't need to talk about it. If you have a question about something like a wheelchair or, you know, like some, something that's a difference then we ask about it in private and we'll have a discussion about it, but that we don't really need to talk about how people look. Yeah. There is a, a um, hushed mom voice that you have for that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I grab their arm, like, hey, shh. we'll talk about it in the truck. <laughs> don't embarrass everybody. But I think it's interesting how I, I love, I love all of that. Maybe shift 
the conversation to not what they look like, but maybe to what they're doing mm-hmm. or, you know, something other than looks. And I think I might like try something like that. But I do love what you said, Jordana, about just switching the mindset to all bodies uh, and just like, yeah, it's everybody's beautiful body. I don't know. Like it's, it's such an interesting concept, but I find myself doing the normal mom stuff constantly and I want to be better. You know, so this is like, you guys are changing my life. This is so rad. Um, Another, I want to go, oh, go ahead. Sorry, one more little thing just for the conversation. Yes. Um, I taught my girls to um, make eye contact and smile when they're curious about someone, not stare and point. Mm, yeah, and, that's good. and I think that in, in, in all this, I mean, we've been talking about kids a lot. I think it's just a way to, again, add pause to what we're noticing about someone and to humanize the person that you will be then discussing in the privacy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Right. Yeah. right. Well, I love that. Now that's, that's really good. And they connect with them yeah. on a human level before we're talking about how they look. I think that's beautiful. Oh my gosh. Um, Okay, to switch it a little bit back to the photography and a little bit to the business side, um, Jordana, I'll start with you on this one. What is one piece of advice that you can give those who are just starting out in their photography business? You know, they're they're seeing all of these top name photographers showcasing X, Y, and Z. They're kind of following along in the further footsteps as far as dialogue and content, written content, verbal content, whatever. What advice would you give those who are just starting out? in regards to body diversity? Uh, probably unfollow a significant amount of yes. people. Amen. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And follow photographers who are body inclusive. Like I just think the comparison game is too strong. And when you're just starting and even I will fall into this, you know, I like looked at my website and I was like, why did I choose those photos? Right. Like, and to be critical about that, ask the question, why do I like or dislike this photo? Why am I following this person? What do I think I'm going to be learning? And if the answer is to gain popularity or to have my photography be acclaimed within this circle, I recommend unfollowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a deep dive intrinsically. And I have to say, like, it's a really hard hard pill to swallow when you look at your stuff and go, Oh yeah, I'm one of them. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's okay. You guys, if you're listening to this and you're just starting out and you've done all the things and you're feeling pretty good about your body of work and then you're looking at it now and you're going, fuck, it's okay. Like you're here, you're, you're doing the right thing. You're learning, you're growing. That's part of the journey. Mm-hmm. So, um, and myself included in that. So don't beat yourself up over it. Let's just get better. Um, Beth, what do you think? What advice would you give to those just starting out? Oh, well, unless your end goal is to be like among the world's most popular photographers, (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) blog posts are not going to get you shit. Awards are not going to get you shit. (laughs) They're not going to bring in the like real everyday people that you're hoping to work with. And so if you're putting a ton of time and effort into that, I feel like you might reconsider. This is me personally, right? But um, from what I've seen, like it's unless, what am I trying to say? (laughs) Um, I feel like those things are um, 
taking your time and energy when you could be using it to educate yourself to the work um, and really looking at the clients that you want to be attracting and then stop trying to mimic so closely the big photographers. If they are not doing exactly what you want to be doing, if they're um, not showing the type of people that are your ideal clients, then you can learn from them, but don't, don't discount um, your special abilities. Don't discount the people that you actually want to be working with and show those people in your portfolios. Like don't, don't feel like you have to have like the young skinny white folks like in their wedding gear on top of a mountain. If that is not, those are not the people that you want to be working with. Right. You know, like, I don't know. Right. Well, and think of this too, even if that is, if like that's your end game, you're like, I want to be popular and whatever. And I'm going to get these amazing couples that are want to backpack to their elopement in Scotland in the back of a mountain. That's like one a year. Like you're not, that's not every day. And that's not going to fill your, your bank account. Right. Right. Not like everybody's the, hiring a helicopter to fly you out. <laughs> totally. But it, it's fascinating because we all say, especially when we're teaching, like, show your best work, show your best work, show your best work. And I think that's a very dangerous thing, too, um, because then it does isolate, you know, you are who you want to work with to a very small population of people, right? Yeah. And, like, the normal people, everyday people, they're, they're out there. They want their photos taken. They love their families. They love their spouses. They, they're in love. They need to be photographed, too. Um, so I think that's a... Very good concept. Yeah, I think constantly I have um, clients, potential clients, come to me and say, "We we looked at dozens of websites, and when we came to yours, you were asking about pronouns. You were using gender gender neutral language. You were um, the photos that you show show humor and people who look like me. These little things that." that people overlook are actually incredibly important to your potential clients. And if those are the people that you want, you need to be, I think, very thoughtful about what you're displaying on your social media and your websites. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Christy, what about you, babe? Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's hard going last because Beth and Jordan are kind of <laughs> nailing it. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I agree with all of what they said. And I also think that um, when photographers are doing styled shoots or model calls or personal work, um, that seems to be when they're really choosing a very narrow range of folks to model. Um, I'll see that if they're going to do a queer wedding shoot, it's like two thin white brides who are very femme presenting. Um, and I'm like, go the other way. Like your own work is your chance to show the people who maybe can't afford your work, maybe don't think that they're worthy of your work. And if you can't make anyone look good, then it's not an achievement to, for you to take the size four blonde model and make her look good. Like that's not like you, you're better than that. You can do more than that, you know? 
And so like, believe in yourself that you can take anyone and make them feel good about themselves and make them look good. Um, and like part of the reason why I thought Beth would be really good to bring into this conversation is because I see her doing that so intentionally. Like we, she organized a creative playground that was like a more of a retreat than a workshop. Um, and you, you don't, you don't just put the model call on your own page. She went and she searched for models and folks who lived in the area who were not straight, not only white, not only thin, you know, and, and that requires work and that requires digging and that requires putting yourself out there and getting in contact with people who maybe aren't going to be the ones responding to your model calls. Um, but I think, you know, do that work. Um, if you want to show people that, that all bodies are good bodies, put your money where your mouth is and actually invest, invest your time and money into that in your own personal work. And I think I, I just want to like underline and bold what Jordana said about like unfollow people who are only showing one certain thing or who are making you feel bad about what you're doing and, and follow these other people. And they're not all people who are within the photography community necessarily, there are like great hashtags that you can search to just find all different people to follow. I'd say like Suglet on Instagram is one that everyone should be following. If you want to actually see plus size bodies um, represented in like not size 14, I mean like, like fat people who are naked and loving their lives. Like they'll post like piles of fat people in cuddle puddles. And it's like, The more I look at it, the more it comes up in my feed, the more it makes me smile. And when I see my thin friends have already liked those photos, it makes me think, this is awesome. Like these people are seeing this and they're not judging it. They're going, this is cool. And that makes me feel more accepted. Like when I, when I look at my own body, um, I'm so critical of like how it looks when I'm sitting down or this or that. And my partner is like, oh, I love it when your tum and your legs hang out together. They'll say it. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like you see that as a good thing. I I'm seeing that as a deficit and you're like, that's so cute. Your tattoo on your tummy and your tattoo on your thighs are hanging out together, you know? And like, I, I just think that the more that we see that, the more we see people in natural poses and with their rolls and with their tummies touching their legs um, and with their dimpled butts and their, you know, just all, all of the beautiful gloriousness that is soft bodies that we just haven't seen the more that you start to go, yeah, actually like that is beautiful. And you stop having to like pause to do the, the like counteract your self-talk that you've been taught. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, yeah, get on Instagram and, and unfollow and follow new people. <laughs> that yeah. is one of the best things you can do. Shake it up a little bit. I mean, yeah. if you've been on Instagram for five seconds, you can see there's, trends and there's you know lots of similarities on especially at the top level when it comes to stuff like that Mm -hmm. um it can be it can overwhelm you it can especially if you're just starting out it can really overwhelm you but it also fills your head with with the projection of what you're supposed to create and it's a good idea to to minimize that noise when you're just learning Mm -hmm. um oh my gosh you guys i love you three so much thank you so much for doing this Mm -hmm. for opening up i'm going to share in the show notes links where people can connect to you follow your journeys uh, it's been a thrill. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means so much to us that you're here and we hope you walk away feeling inspired as hell. 
If you're not already a student in Unraveled Academy, go to www.theunraveledacademy.com. You can also access the link below. Come join us. We have a seat waiting with your name on it.